We talk about generating leads and needing a team to do that as you start to grow. Of course, you can do it yourself in the beginning, but once you realize you need other people to do it, which way do you go? Should we outsource that team? Should we do it ourselves in-house hiring SDRs? What do we do? Well, good thing Colin Mitchell's an expert on that. Colin Mitchell with Leadium, he came in to share, you know, outsource in-house and really how to make sure your team is going after the right prospects and handling those conversations in the right way and that everybody is aligned. This is a good one. If you want to generate some leads, Colin knows how to do it. He'll share a lot with you. Welcome to Scale Your SaaS, the podcast that gives you proven techniques and formulas for boosting your revenue and achieving your dream exit. Brought to you by a guy who's done just that multiple times. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Hello, welcome to Scale Your SaaS. This is another chance for us to help you grow your company, finding new leads, closing deals, scaling your business so you can achieve that dream exit. My name's Matt, I'm your host, and I'm with you every week to help you do this. Now, make sure you're subscribed. If you're not subscribed already, you wanna not miss out on some of the amazing people that we have coming up. So definitely hit that subscribe button and you'll be in the know. And today's episode, super, super jacked about it. I've got Colin Mitchell with me. Colin, how you doing? I'm good, Matt. Pumped up to have the conversation conversation and uh, looking forward to, to digging into some of the topics here. I love it. I'm also pumped. I'm really looking forward to what we're going to talk about. So let me make sure everybody knows who you are, Colin. So Colin is the VP of sales at Leadium. Colin is a go-to-market leader with three exits under his belt. He is currently helping sellers personalize the entire sales process to build more rapport and close more deals. Leadium is an award-winning B2B lead generation agency that delivers with others. It delivers what others only promise. They are revolutionizing the sales development industry with a new approach focusing on using analytical outbound campaigns to deliver revenue pipeline at a lower cost than traditional sales development teams. He's also a podcast host himself. He hosts the Sales Transformation Podcast, which I have heard great things about. So once again, Colin, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. For sure. So tell me what's been going on with you lately and what's coming up. Yeah, so I uh, actually recently joined Ledium. Um, funny story is I I was actually a Ledium customer before I was a, a part of the Ledium team. So I've had you know a few exits myself. Ledium was part of that. So I've known the founders over there for quite some time and made sense to to join them and been doing some some incredible work just in the short time that I've already been there. That's so much fun. And uh, I, I've seen that before. In fact, one of my companies we had, I mean, we grew the team to like 400 people. So as we started from three and grew to 400. And I, I remember along the way, we had like 10 people who were at one point customers of the company. And obviously some of those were acquisitions, but uh, many of them just loved the product so much after they use it that they wanted to join. And so it's kind of fun when that happens, but I bet you've seen it from multiple different angles and perspectives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely have. And so, you know, and, and it always is a fun story to tell people as well. Yeah, no doubt. So why was Ledium founded? Where did that happen? Yeah. So the founders, Kevin and Sergey, actually founded one of the largest agencies in the space, you know, grew it to hundreds of SDRs and everything. And it just started to go in a direction that they didn't necessarily agree with. And that's why they started Ledium. Ledium is more of like a you know boutique, you know, smaller agency where we only work with a select group of clients. Uh, it's 
you know, kind of a very different sales process than a lot of people are accustomed to because as much as customers are evaluating, you know, Hey, is Lidium the right partner for us? Uh, we're evaluating if it's a client we want to work with or not. I and mean, there's a lot of criteria that we look for of, you know, what makes a good client for us. And, you know, so it's, it's very different than uh, a lot of agencies that'll pretty much take anybody's money that's willing to give it to them. And, uh, you know, it's, pretty much in a lot of, you know, our industry churn is really high, but at Lidium, you know, we have customers that have been with us for two, four, five years, which is super rare in this space. Yeah, no doubt. And one of the things that I constantly am coaching on is make sure you only select those potential customers who are going to be great fits for you. Yeah. Obviously that helps with your churn, but how did you guys figure that out? How did you understand, okay, who is the best for us and how can we make sure to only get them on board? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good topic. To, to dig into a bit um, because, you know, understanding who your, you know, customer or your ICP or people you want to target is, is important, um, but also knowing who is not a good fit, right? And being able to disqualify people uh, early is important. And that's hard for a lot of like early stage you know, SaaS startups, uh, because if you ask them, who's your, you know, ICP, they say, well, anybody that'll, you know, give us their credit card. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Right. Anybody who's willing to pay. Um, but, but the problem is, yeah, that can contribute to high churn, right? So you really want to focus more on like quality revenue. Um, and you, you have, you, you can obviously have a mix of both. Um, you know, you need, you know, deals, uh, at least in the SaaS world that have a little bit more velocity that can close faster. Um, and then, you know, those more high value, high target, you know, contacts as well. But ultimately you know, we, we learn this through experience. And as much as I'm saying this right now and people are listening and saying, nodding their heads and saying, yeah, like that really makes sense. Like disqualify early quality of revenue. That's great. But until like it actually, you have the experience of it, like biting you in the butt, uh, and it being painful, you're probably not going to listen to me. (laughs) It's so true. And I I try to hammer this as well. Like I mentioned, and you really kind of have to go through the experience of, because a lot of people are like, yeah, we'll niche down. And then, oh, well, this one, we can probably make that work. It, I know it yeah. didn't work for other people, but we can make it work. And then yeah. you get that customer on board, and then they ask a ton of questions and take all your support up. And then they tell other people <laughs> that your system's terrible or your service is terrible because maybe it's not terrible. It's just they're not the fit. They're not getting the yeah. most value. And then they leave. And you're like, oh, I think I learned my lesson. I totally yeah. agree with you on that. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, is like, okay, yeah, you have them in a contract or whatever, but like your reputation and them like going out there and, you know, tearing you to shreds or writing you a bad review, uh, isn't even worth like holding them to the contract in a lot of cases, you know, it's like, or, you know, if they're not going to pay, it's like, well, you know, it's going to cost more to go collect that in the first place. So being really disciplined, uh, especially early is very hard for a lot of people. Um, but you know, once you have really figured out, you know, who a good customer is and who absolutely is not a good customer, um, then you really need to stick to that, uh, because it will, um, tighten up your pipeline so that you have quality in your pipeline. Uh, because that's something that a lot of pipelines lack where it's like, there's just so much garbage in the pipeline that shouldn't be there in the first place doesn't meet the deal criteria, doesn't even fit the ICP, like you name it. I'm sure you've seen it, Matt. I mean, there's so many companies that have this, you know, huge bloated pipeline when realistically only 20 to 30% of it is deals that should be in there in the first place. 
Yeah, I totally agree. So how do you make sure you guys work with the upfront getting SDRs in place and making sure that you're generating a bunch of leads? How do you work with a client? How do you recommend that leaders set up their entire team from SDRs to AEs all the way through, you know, onboarding customer success? How do you make sure that everybody's speaking the same language and looking for the exact right person? Yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, a lot of times people think that with, you know, with hiring an agency, it's like the agency versus the in-house team, or it's all outsourced or all in-house. And a lot of times it's not, a lot of times it's very much, you know, in between where, um, you know, we work with even really large companies that you would think, well, they should totally have this figured out and have an in-house team. And they do. Um, but ultimately when you're testing like a new product or a new segment, um, or something like that. It's just way more cost effective to work with an agency versus mm-hmm. have your in-house resources on that. Then there's some people that are like, I don't even want to have an in-house team like at all, have no interest. Um, and that's understandable uh, for a lot of reasons. And my own bias would be like, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that, you know, when you start a program, uh, the first thing is like having realistic expectations, whether that's with your in-house SDRs, whether that's with an agency, or whether that is, uh, you know, with running both in parallel, uh, which a lot of companies do, um, having realistic expectations because a lot of times people think they've fully figured out their ICP, but they haven't. A lot of times people think they've fully flushed out their messaging, but they haven't. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, people go into putting expectations on their internal team or putting expectations on an agency that like, Hey, you're the experts. You should be able to figure this out. And that's just unrealistic. Um, so understanding that these things do take time to do them well, um, we can, you know, as an agency and, you know, having run so many campaigns and pretty much, you know, just about every vertical, there's a lot of, you know, best practices, uh, but outbound has changed a lot. It's extremely difficult just to get in somebody's inbox these days. Mm -hmm. And let's assume you can get in their inbox to catch their attention and stand out from the noise is even more difficult. And a lot of teams are really struggling with how to figure that out. How do we be different? Um, the only thing that works is obviously like a multi-channel approach, but also doing it in a very like analytical data centric way, um, where you're leveraging data as much as possible before you even have that first touch point. Um, and then using, you know, sort of data of what's happening within the campaigns to create priority steps inside of the sequence on other channels. Love it. And I know that a lot of leaders, they're you know, focused on, hey, let me just put the team on the right path and then kind of let them go. Some leaders dive in and want to work with them. Which way do you go and, and which way is most effective for you and your teams? Yeah. I mean, I'm more of a, I like to roll my sleeves up and get in the trenches type of guy. Um, not all leaders, uh, are that way. You know, it, it takes being willing to like be vulnerable with your team and say like, Hey, I'm not perfect. And like, I don't also, I also don't have all the answers. And so let's say you're a leader that has like a in-house team or, uh, whatever the case is, um, you know, being willing to get in the trenches will help you, you know, earn the respect of your team and also show that like, you know, Hey, this stuff's hard. It is hard. Um, it doesn't have to be hard. Um, but 
that ultimately, you know, you should always be testing new things, testing new messaging, testing new strategies, techniques, um, you know, tech, data, like you name it. Be constantly trying new things and new things are, you know, basically experimenting and not every experiment is going to go well. Um, and so just showing that like, hey, it's OK to make mistakes. I don't know if this is going to work or not, but we're going to try it and figure it out together. Yeah, I totally agree. So I know that you've talked a lot about how you can help drive sales through content-led growth as well. So how, how can that work to help you drive those leads and close deals? Yeah, I mean, content is extremely powerful. Um, you know, I, I've scaled uh, businesses before without content, without marketing, nothing fancy, just, you know, um, and I can tell you it's it's a lot more challenging. And today, you know, buyers are extremely savvy, uh, Matt, you know, and, and they are consumers of content, you know, um, there's data that I've read that, you know, average B2B buyers consuming 13 to 18 pieces of content before they reach out in a B2B sale. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if you think about that for a second, you know, when's the last time Matt, you, you bought something or, or reached out for something that you needed either for yourself or one of your clients or something like that. Um, Content probably played a role somehow, some way for sure of reaching out to that company, I'd imagine, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I always look up a ton of stuff, do a lot of research before. I, I mean, my wife makes fun of me because I do research for like an hour on a five minute Amazon purchase or a five dollar yeah. Amazon purchase, rather. So it's crazy. But yes, I and, totally and agree. Part of it's how we're built, right? Just our own like personality of like how much research we do or do or don't do. Um, but <clears throat> ultimately, they're going to do research typically at the beginning before they ever reach out. They're also going to do research once they're engaged in an active sales cycle as well. And we live in a very digital world, right? So everything's out there. You know, we got the G2s and Capteras and all those sort of platforms or um, even just Google, you know, reviews are out there. People read them. Uh, problem is when somebody writes you a really good review, Sometimes they don't even believe it. <laughs> so they're typically looking for like, let's see what the three, you know, two and a half, you know, the, the three star, four star reviews, you know, what are those ones saying? Um, and, and so, um, content is important in a lot of ways. So the reason that you want to be producing content is because you don't want to be left out of the conversation, right? And so if they're consuming those pieces of content before ever reaching out, are you one of those pieces of content or do you not want to be? And so the problem is, is a lot of people don't know where to get started. A podcast makes it really easy. Podcast makes it so easy, like to get started now to be consistent and stick with it is hard, right? You know that I'm sure. Um, but getting started is not that hard and it's an easy way to produce a lot of content having conversations with people that are the either like are in your EC, ICP or are at least adding value to your ICP or partners, people you could connect with and help, you know, a, a certain segment of the market and work together to drive leads. I, I, I agree. I, podcasting has been great for us, but, and, and your podcast successful doing great. What would you say are some of the tips that you have in terms of, you know, how to set it up, how to get it going, how to find people and, uh, maybe I'm asking you way too many questions on one little question, but uh, what what are some of those tips for for running a successful podcast? Yeah, I mean the key is to just get started. You're not going to figure out 
like, how am I going to make this wildly successful? And, and, and that can mean something different for everybody, right? Some people are like, Hey, I want to grow it to massive downloads and get sponsors, or I just want to have conversations with people that I want to add to my network and have business relationships with, or, or I just want to have a engine to create content that's relevant to the people that I want to work with, right? There's all different, um, you know, r- reasons of, of why a podcast would be successful to different people. Mm-hmm. And so knowing kind of what that is, is really all you need to know. And then people often get stuck on like, wow, there's so many podcasts. How's mine going to be different? Well, it's going to be different because your show, your conversations, the questions you're asking, ultimately, um, it, it's a great tool also to learn. Right. So if they're like, if you're trying to learn more about your, your customers or your, your market, you can bring people on where you can learn a ton. And then all of that knowledge goes with you into every other like sales conversation that you have as well. So, so the key is to just get started. Like you don't need a lot to get started, like a decent mic, you know, half decent camera, you know, you can use something like Riverside, which we're using today, or even Zoom. So I don't recommend Zoom, but like, hey, you can use it. Um, and then you need a platform to host your podcast, and then just start having conversations with people. And people often think, well, who's going to want to talk to me or come on my podcast? You'd be surprised. People love talking about themselves. You will not have a hard time finding people that are willing to come on your show. Truth. Truth. And I love that you said that the learning is a big part of it. Before I started, I had no idea how much I would actually learn from all of my guests. I mean, we're talking with the best leaders, the best people in the world who've gone out and done this, who are doing it right now in the trenches, just like you, Colin, just like all kinds of leaders around the world. And I get to hear their best tips. So every week I get up close and personal front row seat of exactly the best ways that are working right now. So the learning has been phenomenal. I'm, I'm glad you included that. It sounds like you've learned a lot in yours as well. Yeah. And, and, and the, the beauty of that is like you are in, as the host, like you're in total control of the conversation. So it's like, if, if your guest says something and you just personally are just like generally curious or want to learn more about it, like you can ask any question you want, you know? And, uh, and so the, the learning piece is, is pretty phenomenal. I mean, having my podcast has literally totally changed my life. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways it, it, I grew personally and professionally through podcasting, you know, um, I, I became, you know, a much better listener. Um, you know, I learned a ton from all of the people that came on my show. Um, and I built this massive network. I mean, I've, I've released, I think, 650 episodes wow. and then I had another show that was like 120 episodes. And then I've, co-hosted other shows as well. And then I've probably guested on like 120 shows. Very cool. I think it's a very powerful medium and not enough people are taking advantage of it. So I'm glad that you're sharing those tips. What, what are some of the mistakes that a lot of software leaders are making in their early days trying to grow their companies? What are you seeing? I think that the biggest mistake that I see from a lot of leaders is like not wanting to be the face of the company or the Mm. brand. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that's probably where a lot of, I see a lot of tech founders um, struggle and maybe just because they're just naturally more introverted people or whatever the case is. But Hey, you got, you got to step up and rise above that. Like if that's something that you struggle with more, the reason to push yourself to do it Um, because ultimately, you know, people buy stuff from people, they don't buy stuff from brands. So building up your company brand is is as important as you may think it is. Your personal brand as the founder um, is way more important. 
way more important than, than the company brand. Like, I'm not going to say the company brand isn't important, but like people are following people on social, people are buying into people and people are buying from people. So the, the power of the personal brand is extremely powerful. I've seen it firsthand myself, um, in, in many different versions. I love it. I've told leaders to do this. I've told even, you know, individual contributors to go do this. If you're working on anything within growth, definitely build your personal brand. It's a big win. I've seen it impact companies and individual people quite, quite heavily. Colin, this has been awesome. I, I want to ask you one last question. What advice would you have for an early stage leader who's thinking, okay, I need to, you know, start a, an outbound effort. I need to get a sales process going to try and get some more leads where should they start? Yeah, I think they need to sort of evaluate um, what sort of budget they have for that. Like that's number one. And then they need to, you know, evaluate, do I build it in house? Do I, you know, um, hire an outsource team? What are the needs uh, for that program? Sometimes it's really just like, Hey, we're trying to reach product market fit. And so depending on what stage you are with the company, having realistic expectations and then exploring the options. We have a pretty comprehensive guide of like, you know, uh, non-bias, um, you know, building it in-house versus outsource that is like very much has um, everything that somebody would need to evaluate those two options. Um, they can, you know, DM me or whatever, and I can send them that guide. Okay, perfect. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, best best way is... Um, my podcast. So whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, definitely write a review for the show, subscribe. It helps reach more people and help more people just like you. Um, you know, it's a lot of work to put on a good quality podcast like this and, and Matt's doing everybody here a service. So definitely subscribe, write a review, tell your friends, all that good stuff. And then once you've done that, if you're looking for a podcast to help transform the way you sell as either a seller, founder that sells or anything like that, uh, you can check out sales transformation. We drop uh, new content that's 10 minutes or less every single day of the week. I love it. I know that the effort to do that is tremendous. So good job doing that. It's an amazing service for everybody. And thank you for the plug as well. I uh, definitely uh, appreciate all subscribers and reviews. So I appreciate you letting them know that, Colin. Colin, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Absolutely. And everybody else out there, thank you for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Scale Your SaaS. For more help on finding great leads and closing more deals, go to mattwallach.com.